I really want to draw a sharp contrast between those two kinds of wisdom. There's a godly wisdom with seven characteristics, and then there's the the wisdom of the world, which is living through your own selfish ambition. The Greek word I mentioned was erethia. It's this this really your heart is driven with an ambition only for yourself. Hello and welcome to You Matter, a Spring Hills podcast. I'm Joshua Meyer. Thanks so much for joining us on today's Going Deeper episode. Our Going Deeper episodes give you the opportunity to go theologically deeper and uncover gems of scriptural truth to enhance your spiritual formation journey. As our church grows, we want you to feel loved and cared for, and a part of caring for someone is allowing our hearts to be seen so that you can feel intimately connected to us as we love, live, and lead like Jesus Christ. Today, we are going deeper on this past weekend's sermon titled, Seeds of Peace, with the scripture of James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Today, I have Pastor Tom on the show with me to help me go deeper. Tom, how's it going? Josh, I'm doing very well, and how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. I just got the opportunity to baptize four men over the weekend, actually yesterday, and it was a wonderful gift, although the pond was incredibly cold. I've done some cold baptisms as well. Yeah. Makes them more memorable. Yes, definitely. And even I spoke with some of the men, one of the men in particular was like, wow, I really feel new, although very cold. (laughs) Right. Yeah, one thing affecting me today, Josh, uh, we are uh, recording this podcast on Election Day, November 7th. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, been in prayer all day about the election, just um, that God's will could be done in our election here in Ohio. So, it's kind of on my mind today, certainly. Mm -hmm. By the time people listen to this podcast, that will, the results will be in. So, we'll continue praying until that point. Yes, yeah, definitely, most definitely. Well, um, today we've got a lot of good content to go through. You've got an incredible sermon that you gave. Thank you so much for doing that. Before we jump into anything like we normally do with our uh, member questions, we do always like to see just what you have on your thoughts as far as any potential things that maybe you left out or you would love to go a little bit deeper on and things like that. Any of that on your mind? Yeah, actually... um you know, it was really only five verses in James that we focused on this past weekend, but I did not touch verse 16. So James 3.16 says, For whenever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every and evil of every kind. Um, I didn't intentionally leave that verse out for from the weekend. It's it's just the way that I really want to draw a sharp contrast between those two kinds of wisdom. There's a godly wisdom with seven characteristics, and then there's the the wisdom of the world, which is living through your own selfish ambition. The Greek word I mentioned was erethia. It's this this really your heart is driven with an ambition only for yourself. And what James is saying here, and I would have loved to include this in the sermon, but I knew we had a podcast to talk about these things. Um, what James is saying here is that um, when you live from that place of selfish ambition, which creates jealousy, it eventually erodes every, to every kind of uh, evil or disorder. It's just when you when you truly focus on living for yourself, eventually, over time, you find yourself willing to compromise again and again because it's about you. It's really, really about you. And eventually, that leads to disorder because the natural order of things is being overtaken by your 
desire for yourself, to please yourself, for your personal passions to be satisfied. Um, people that live from selfish ambition often look back over their life and find regrets. They didn't prioritize other people, their children, for example, or they didn't prioritize relationships that mattered. They were able to compromise, uh, which I think is what James is talking about, about disorder and every kind of evil. Now, it probably doesn't start with every kind of evil. It probably just grows in your life as you are more and more focused on yourself and the, the root of selfishness that we see in this verse. So that's something I didn't get into in the sermon, um, but I definitely think great for podcast listeners to really think about the end result of selfish ambition. Now that I did talk about in the sermon, how in my own life, um, I, you know, for a number of years between the age of probably 18 to 24, I lived fully, completely for myself. And the end of that road is always emptiness. Uh, we are not big enough. We, we are not a big enough thing to live for. Uh, our soul needs something bigger. Our soul needs a grander mission, a purpose, a bigger purpose than just pleasing ourselves. And so that's why the end of that road is always emptiness. You're, you're never mm-hmm. enough. Um, to fill the needs of your soul. It's got to be God's purpose and God's desire that really is big enough for us to be fulfilled in life. Yeah, I really like that. And one of the things that you said this past weekend that really stuck out to me was that you said, when you are the hero of your own story, that's when this all begins to take place. Mm -hmm. And obviously the opposite effect is when we begin to see the established order is that when God is the hero of our story, that is when we are the opposite of selfish and we are selfless, um, putting God before us. And then therefore there is significant fruit from that. Let me ask you a question, Josh, about that as you're mentioning it. So, so, I, in the sermon, I indicted everyone. Uh, I said all of us were, were born with selfish ambition. We're born thinking about ourselves and our own needs. Our culture backs it up. Our culture tells us, unlike some cultures in the world, American culture very much focused on you, 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 me, me, me focus. Um, do you think that's true? Do you, do you think almost everyone has to fight this tendency towards selfish ambition? Uh, what do you think about that? Is it universal? I think that we're born with an imputed state of condition, that we have a death sentence, and we, the flesh, has only got so much to live. And in that, we respond to the flesh as we're born into this world, and we have defense mechanisms put in place to, uh, for lack of a better way of describing it, to survive. But unfortunately, the flesh driving your way of living to survive becomes more of how do we feed the flesh over time? And I think that's really what it is, is is that we as Christians have the gift of actually benevolently giving everything and all things to God for the reliance of our life. In our existence, but I would I would definitely say there's there are some good people yeah. that come out yeah. into this world and they're very kind and altruistic. But I think we've discussed it before. I think it's a counterfeit offer to uh, present uh, examples of the kingdom without the king. Yeah, and those are those are situations in which someone is trying to do good, but they're still searching. Uh, I think the real question is is that you are the center of your story when you don't have Christ in your life. And when you are the center of your story, you're living such a small story. It's Yeah, and I think that's a great question for all podcast listeners and, and you and I, Josh, to think about is um, who is the center of our life? Who, who, who is the hero of our story? What's the most, what's the most important? Who is the most important person? Is it Christ or is it me? And 
our flesh, the natural state will push to be the center. It's supernatural when we put Christ at the center of our life. Um, I really like the second question that you're going to ask me on this podcast, and I'm All ready right. for it, Josh. Let's it, do it. It dovetails right. perfectly. Yeah. Wonderful. So a member of our church asked this question, what's the relevance of an honorable life in today's world in relation to pursuing wisdom and understanding God's ways, given our culture's focus on achievement and personal success. So I love this question, and I think it fits in perfectly with this idea of who's at the center of your life, who's the hero of your story. And so, and so really the honorable life that's meant, that James mentions is a great way of looking at the life that God wants us to live. It's an honorable life is a life that you look back on and you're proud. You're proud of what you've done. You're proud of how you lived. Uh, and pr- pride not in a sinful sense, but in a, a humble confidence sense. Um, you're glad that you invested in the right things. You lived an honorable life. Others look at you and they say, yeah, there's honor in your life. It's interesting, not not in the Bible, this phrase I'm going to say next. This is not in the Bible, but it is in the U.S. Constitution. Um, the concept of our sacred honor. Um, in the, in the constitution, it talks about our sacred honor. And that is the idea that we have an honor before God. That's it. So I would take the phrase honorable life from James and then think about that, that second phrase, our sacred honor. Um, and say, yeah, there, there's a sacred honor that we have between us and God to live in the right way. And as the, the question that was asked was, um, our culture's focus on achievement and personal success has to be set aside. It can't, it can't be, we can't be driven by our own success or our personal, um, goals or, or personal success. That, that's got to all go to the side. Um, I think it's good for us to have goals. Good for us to think in terms of what might need to be accomplished today or for God's glory. But really the big goal, as James would say to us, is, is to live with that sacred honor that I know I am honoring God in the way that I live. I'm honoring God in the way, in the way of life. Um, sacred honor or an honorable life is a beautiful, I think a beautiful goal for us to put before ourselves. And it's not hard to find, not hard to find it. You just ask yourself, am I, am I, do I feel good about what I've done? Can I look in the mirror, you know, and feel good about the way I'm living? So if anybody's out there right now listening and they don't feel good about how they're living, or they would just honestly admit, I'm really not living an honorable life. I'm, I'm compromising important things to get ahead, or I'm compromising my values to fit into a workplace environment, or I'm, I'm in some way sacrificing sacred honor for something else. I'm trading it in. I'm, I'm selling my honor to have something else. Um, I think that is a lifestyle that should be deeply evaluated. Stop, stop and evaluate your life unless you can say, yes, I have sacred honor between myself and God to live in a way that that he is glorified in what I do. Hmm, that's so good. That's so good. I do have a question for you. So over this past weekend, our church ran a men's retreat, a heart restoration healing retreat. It's phenomenal. We've seen a lot of success over the last decade with this ministry. And we came across a gentleman who was going through some heart restoration and heart inquiry to understand. And quite frankly, he was trying to just identify why am I living the way I am when it's not honorable. I know it's not totally honorable, but I don't, why am I living this way so that I can begin to find its root source and then combat it? And one of the things that you talked about in your sermon, which was really profound, was the deep, saturated, and long, many, many, many years induced culture that we have of selfishness. Mm -hmm. And 
I almost wonder when someone can't pinpoint why they compromise the honorable life and yet still try to pursue Christ, but can't quite find the reasons why they compromise and certain lifestyle decisions. Do you think it's because they're, we're so deeply saturated and almost like we, we can't even get outside of ourselves to see how wrong we have gone the, the other way with selfishness in our culture? No, I, I definitely agree, Josh. That I think that's a very, very astute observation on, on that issue. I, I think my take on that would be sometimes it, it can, the question of why can almost be a way that we, we focus more on why than on actually changing. Um, sometimes you don't know why when you look back on your life until you make those proper changes. It's, it's really when your heart is realigned with God and you're no longer compromising yourself and you are living an honorable life. Then you look back and you're like, Oh, I get it now. Now, now I see why I was living that way. Um, you know, I look back on my life and that those, those years when I lived really, really for myself in a very dishonorable way. Um, I look back on those things and I can see clearly the root of that was, was my completely self-focused nature. That's why it was happening. I, I did things for myself and um, to please myself. And I think the person you're talking about, when they get some distance from where they are now, they'll look back and say, yeah, I was just, I was just being really selfish. I didn't understand the bigger picture of life. I didn't see the larger story. I was stuck in a tiny little story. And the tiny story, I'm the hero. The larger story, God's the hero. And when you get stuck in that small story, you're trying to make it work. You're trying, you personally are trying to make your life work, make my life make sense, have some sort of peace. And so often we compromise with things to have the peace that God intends us to have from his Holy Spirit. We compromise and, and you know, one, one way to have temporary peace, you know, is, is through alcohol. One way to have temporary peace, you know, through uh, some drug use or, or there's other, other ways that you might, you know, you can just net, binge a Netflix show on and on all, all day on a Sunday or a Saturday or whatever. And yeah, by hour six or seven, you're feeling kind of peaceful and, you know, whatever. Or sometimes it's in choosing, you know, food to eat that is tastes great. You know, it's bad for you. You know, it's not good for your body. Um, and so, and so all these ways that we compromise in a way that is unhonorable using that metaphor, the honorable life or sacred honor, it's to find what God wants to give us freely. God freely wants to give us his peace through the Holy Spirit and joy and life and purpose and meaning. He's, he's, he's longing. He's longing for us to live the life he has for us. And when someone actually begins living that life, it is shocking. And I know, I know you know what I'm talking about because I know you've done it and I've done it. Mm -hmm. I've left a meaningless life for a life of meaning and significance. And you're shocked. You're just overwhelmed with how great it is to live for purpose and live for God and the eternal impact that you're making in someone else's life. It's, it's beyond the two kinds of ways of living are beyond compare. Oh my gosh, it's that's so true. And one of the things that we deal with with the younger generation and the suicide rates going up, and then the the self deprecation and cutting and all the different mm -hmm. ways in which you know the youth struggles because we have fostered a culture that is so self centered that because it's such a small story, it causes depression. You were made for the larger story. You were made for intimate relationship with Jesus Christ to be in in literally in partnership with bringing the kingdom and doing the kingdom work and having cognizance of the war 
that is, you know, being waged on a daily basis, when you are just totally focused on yourself and yourself alone, the story is so small that it leads to you not even being able to make strides towards internal health and definitely peace is barely an option in that in that avenue. Yeah, and let's let's add, let's add something to that. This is for podcast listeners to give a little deeper understanding as well. So God created a system where you know before we're at an age to maybe fully understand him and receive all these things from God. God created a system where we have parents. We have a mom and a dad that should raise us uh, and give us love and give us significance and 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 start us out in life in that right journey. But in the broken world we live in, those moms and dads are often so self-absorbed, so overwhelmed with their own pain, their own journey, their own self-centered nature, their own selfish ambition taking over that I think we're seeing today perhaps the second or third generation in America of children who haven't received that nurturing home, um, that home life that God really intended initially. And so that, that leads to the brokenness of this world, that there's, there's, there's a reservoir of pain that so many people are carrying mm-hmm. and they're not taking it to God and receiving it from God as you would appropriately do. And they never received it from their parents and they have questions about themselves and who they are. That's where the, I think you mentioned, you know, something that, um, I've talked to probably, I don't know, 500 or more people involved in cutting themselves, involved in, in self-harm. And it's a, it's a shock, it's a shocking thing to walk with someone and help them walk away from self-harm because self-harm itself seems to someone who's never done it. It seems so counterintuitive, but to someone who's doing it, it just is the way they begin to express their emotion and the pain, the pain, the pain. It's, it's that, it's that shifting of pain. It's that shifting from internal pain to external pain, a way of trying to control it. And it's a, it's a symptom of a broken, broken world where God wants to bring healing and restoration mm. in that way. And probably we'd be, we'd be right to say, and I think you'd agree with this, Josh, that to begin to live that honorable life may for many involve healing at the level of their heart. I, you know, I was, I was said many times this year in preaching and sermons, you know, God desires to heal broken hearts. God desires to bring full restoration. And it would be the wrong way to talk about this to simply suggest someone can just snap their fingers and turn from living a dishonorable life to an honorable life. And yeah, I'm just going to change. I'm just going to make this, I'm just going to choose God now because probably to make those steps involves a level of wholeness. Hmm. of healing that God wants to bring. That's actually a core value of our church. It's the two words together, healing and wholeness. And it, it really speaks to being restored by God, going on a journey with God and maybe with someone else, maybe in a ministry like Celebrate Recovery or maybe through a, a discipleship ministry like a community group or however it might come down or a men's retreat like you're talking about where you really go on a journey to see God bring restoration in your heart, in your mind, um, and in your life. And it's a it's a beautiful beautiful thing as well. That's awesome, Tom. Well, let's go ahead and move on to another question here. Um, We have another one from the member here. It says, from James 3.17, which two characteristics of godly wisdom resonate in your life? And which characteristics do you believe are most needed in today's challenging world? Yeah, so the first one that comes to mind, and I love this question, and I think actually this is a good way to take that list of seven things that I spent a lot of time on in the sermon and kind of break them down for yourself, is just grabbing one or two from that list and focusing on them. So the first one that comes to mind for me is that word considerate. It's um, the Greek word there. I gave a definition of it in the sermon from from Kent, um, Kent Hughes, and um, he basically says it is 
you know, giving, it's like being considerate means basically to, to give someone ultimate grace, to, to always look at them with the kindest perspective possible. And when I read that, I'll be honest with you, Josh, lots of things come to mind for me when I read that, that idea of being considerate, of giving someone the most kindness possible, of considering their life and, and just looking, overlooking weaknesses and overlooking mistakes and just saying, you know, I, I, I'm considering you. I'm thinking about you. And the first thing that comes to mind for me is um, sometimes I don't do that very well. Sometimes I have a high expectation for myself and for others, and I, I really don't give them that kind of consideration. And, and to be really honest, and this is a little sad to say, it's probably my children that have borne the brunt of that more than others, that I have high expectations for them and they're having a bad day. And it's, you know, um, I've used this example before. It's a good example, though. I am an on-time person. I love being on time. And I have a set, um, you know, like a set lecture for my kids when <laughs> they're not allowing us to be on time because they're late and they're not leaving on time. Of course, you know, I gave them the time that we're leaving and I adjusted it for lateness already. And I remind mm -hmm. them at the five minute point, I remind them at the one minute point, they're still late. And um, I don't, in that those moments, rarely do I ever, ever give them consideration. <laughs> rarely do I ever, ever consider what they might be feeling or going through. It's just in my mind, it's like a, it's like an on-off. You're on time or you're not. Um, and when I read that word, consider it in this list of characteristics, it makes me feel um, like I so rarely, or maybe not often enough, gave that kind of consideration to my kids. Um, I, you know, my my daughter one time, in, in just complete honesty, said to me, um, "Dad, I." I don't know why being late filled me with this like frustration and anxiety. And I'm remembering all the times I'm yelling at her for being late. I'm like, I think, I think I know why you feel that way. I gave you that. I, I wounded you, uh, in this way. And now you feel like stress, you know, to be, to be on time and, and not to be a minute late, a second late, you know, whatever. Um, so, so I think the whole world could, could really benefit from being just more considerate, just really considering others, just re really putting yourself in their shoes, considering them attempting to love them. Now I do think I do think we hold people accountable for failure and for weakness o over time. You can't just let you can't just keep being considerate, considerate, considerate. You don't hold somebody accountable, but you can still hold them accountable being considerate. You know, being considering really them and being as kind to them as possible. And the second one that, of the list that really jumps out to me is is the last one in the list, the English word that we see actually in in the ESV and the NIV and the New Living, all three translate the word as sincere. Um, I retranslated that word in the sermon as focused or single-minded. And the word sincere, the Greek word there, probably tends a little more my way, a little, little, little less towards our English word sincere, a little more towards our English word focused. That's really what James is saying. Uh, wisdom from above, wisdom from heaven is lived out through being focused on your goals, your priorities, what God is doing, how you can't, you know, so I think James would very much push back on just kind of floating through life or not considering what should happen or, or what you're doing. James, as you, as I know, you know, Josh and podcast listeners probably know too. James is very focused on your actions. You know, even in verse, um, verse 13 in this section, he says, you say you have wisdom, understand it. Prove it by living an honorable life. Um, so, so James is all about action. And in this case, um, that, that word focused or single-minded um, is about action. It's about knowing what you should do, being continuing to be focused on the goals that God has given you and the purpose and mission that God has placed in your life. So that, that's the two I would choose. Um, do you want to take a stab, Josh? Maybe just grab one of them? And well, so I think I'd go after the sincere, just yeah. like you had mentioned. When I think of the word sincere... 
in light of the text, I think I, I feel like there's two English words that come together to form what was maybe in support of what James is going after here. And I would say it would be authentic intentionality. Yeah, good. I like that. Um, and so I just feel like sincerity at its truest godly form requires the person to be authentic and also intentional with the mindset of Christ. Yeah. And I just feel like that that's really um, very important. And I think that as far as a characteristic that resonates in my life, I just feel like it, whether it be something that I naturally embody or just something I naturally desire to pursue, uh, I would say they interchangeably, you know, off and on throughout that time, you know, are the, are the particular things there. I do have uh, one last question before Great. we close things out today. So a member did provide the question, what does it mean to be a peacemaker in personal life and community? How can you practically sow seeds of godly wisdom characteristics to create a more peaceful environment as described in James? Yeah, so I love this question, and it really gets to the heart of that last verse, verse 18 in this section, which says, uh, peacemakers sow seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So the question really is asking, you know, what, what does it mean in, in personal life and community to sow a seed of peace? And I'll give you two, I think, I think it means two very separate things. Two, I'll give you two, two different ways of perceiving it. So in a relationship, when there is brokenness in a relationship, think about a husband and wife, a parent and child, coworkers, whatever, there's frustration, there's brokenness in the relationship. Um, you think of that as there is a conflict. It's not peace, right? It's conflict. So in that case, to sow a seed of peace is to really take ownership for what your side of the conflict and to openly apologize. That, that, that open apology, that ownership of what you've done that was wrong. And it doesn't have to be like, I said this word and I shouldn't have said it. It can be even more like, I didn't create an environment. I didn't create for you an environment of the, the kind of peace, the kind of love that Christ would call me to do. So I apologize for that. That, that was wrong of me. Any well, well-meaning, authentic apology is always a seed of peace. Just knowing, I'm just going to say sorry. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to take ownership in what I've done that wasn't to the standard that I hold myself to or that God holds me to. It wasn't honorable. I, I didn't live up to an, a, my sacred honor in this relationship. So I'm apologizing. That's a seed of peace. Um, when you do take ownership for your own action and you plant a seed of peace with another healthy person, they will follow suit. They will do exactly the same thing. Hmm. Here's how it often plays out. Usually the more mature person goes first when there's conflict. The more mature person goes first and they say, let me own my side. This is what I did. I was wrong. They don't point fingers. They don't blame the other person. Um, the more immature person would tend to do the blaming. The more mature person takes ownership. Mm. But in a health, you're talking to a healthy person, and you'll know they're healthy because they'll follow the follow mm. suit. They'll continue. When you're talking to a, 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 a an unhealthy person or, or something that's been especially wounded, um, they might not. They might not follow suit. But but you can then say, you know what? I planted the seed, and. Um, if I want to water the seed by apologizing a second time or going back to them another time, if the relationship isn't restored, that's okay. Um, but that's a plant, planting a seed of peace is just a, an apology and it's an intense quarrel or a fight that might be there. Um, now, that, another example of planting a seed of peace, this is something I try and do every time I walk into a secular retail environment. Any, any store I go into, anytime I am interacting with the public, I attempt to plant seeds of peace by as i walk in the front doors of that establishment i'm praying i'm praying to god let me be a light 
in this place. God, how about an encounter? Hey, God, bring someone, bring bring an encounter to me that I could encourage someone or pray with someone or talk with someone. Um, and then I also want to be just smiling at people, just just a person mm. of just a person of peace. I'm a peacemaker. I'm here to help make peace. And and primarily, that's by creating an environment where you look at me and maybe going to ask me, Hey, what is it about you? Why do you have this hope? Why do you have this this thing about you? Um, I've had so many deep and meaningful conversations. I know you have too, Josh. In you know grocery stores and and uh, clothing stores and you know retail environments or other places that you just think, wow, this is you know God was able to use me in this situation. Now I'm not perfect. You know, again, James three two says we all stumble in many ways. Um, yeah. I stumble sometimes. I don't have that perspective. It's it's normally there for me. Um, but that's how I want to plant those seeds of peace. It's just being a peacemaker. Um, and then something this is more specific to me, perhaps. Um, but I meet with a lot of a lot of families that are in conflict and crisis, and sure. I, in that role, I want to be a peacemaker. I want to help them learn how to take ownership, how to apologize, how to meet needs, how to position themselves in a way where mm. it can be peaceful. That that's another seven of the seven characteristics. Number two was peace loving, or I said longs for peace. I think that's really important for us to grab onto is we want to long for peace and we want to know what it means to plant a seed of peace everywhere we go. Um, you know, there's a little place in Mount Vernon. I drive by it when I'm in Mount Vernon, which records that Johnny Appleseed walked through there. And I think of Johnny Appleseed just planting these apples, you know, planting apple seeds yeah. wherever he goes, apple trees all over America and this part of Ohio because Johnny Appleseed, you know, came through. Um, in some way, we, we want to be that way. We want to plant seeds of peace everywhere we go. Hmm. You know, Tom, that reminds me of yesterday. I unfortunately lost my driver's license about a week ago and I searched. You mean a judge took it from you, Josh? Is that what you mean by lost? <laughs> no. I lost it. I went to the bank, misplaced. I think. You misplaced. Yeah. You probably need to yeah. explain that a little bit better. <laughs> I, I, I went to the bank. I, I dropped, used my driver's license for a deposit and I, ne I never got it back and they, they couldn't find it. So I had to go to the DMV to get a new driver's license. And a great example is, is the DMV is not mostly the most happy place or peaceful place in the Agreed. world. And so after about an hour of waiting, I got up to the front desk and I could tell that the 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 lady was just maybe a little bit under, I don't know, a lack of joy, if you will. Um, when I come into situations where I can sense that there's just general tenseness, whether it be in a store, whether it be at a Chipotle line, or whether it be at the DMV, it's really simple for me. I just want them to know that they're cared for mm. and that I hope they're having a good day and that I can understand how sometimes life can be tough. And so that's what I did. And so my goal was, is when this lady was, you know, four hours into a really, really difficult, you know, day, and perhaps maybe it's just like that often, people are grumpy in that environment. I just simply said, hey, you know, I hope that you're having a good day. I know that sometimes it can be really tough. And maybe I have a feeling people are very not as willing to be as kind. And maybe they're just grumpy at times a day. And I just hope that I can give you some kindness. And I'm just really grateful for you helping me today. And by the end, she was smiling and happy. And that's just kind of where Kinds I'm at. You can just be genuine and sincere. Yeah. That's like how you peace love yeah. into a situation, but that's just something I thought of as you were speaking. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Tom, thank you so much for being with us today on this episode. And thank you so much for joining us on today's Going Deeper episode. If you are interested in submitting questions for our pastors to answer, and you are a member of our church, please feel free to email joshm at springhillschurch.org or info at springhillschurch.org. Again, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. And please remember that more important than anything else, you are welcome here, you are loved, and you matter. Pastor Tom, could you please lead us out in prayer? Father God, we thank you for this podcast and just a going deeper discussion about this uh, sermon from this past weekend. I pray, God, for those who listen, they would again consider those seven characteristics that James mentions. He takes so much time, God, to arrange them, um, the first four with an E sound, the last uh, the last number with an A sound, and they rhyme in Greek. And he went, he went so hard, God, to give us characteristics that you were inspiring him to give us in James chapter three. Let us consider them and think about how might we be peace-loving? How might we be sincere? How might we be considerate? How might all seven of these characteristics be seen in our lives? And God, help us to plant seeds of peace as peacemakers in this world and see a harvest of righteousness, like it says in James 3.18. Thank you, Father, for this day. In your name we pray. Jesus. Amen.